Welcome once again to the SEM podcast. Jack Bryce and Zach Hewlett are here tonight, joined by our good friend Joe McLean. Joe, what part of the world you're calling from to tonight? We're in Tucson, Arizona. Tucson, Arizona. Very cool. Well, uh, Joe, have you been listening to the podcast? I didn't even ask you that before we got on, got on here. No, so I think the first, I didn't know about it until I think you'd emailed me asking if I would be on. And I was like, whoa, this is a thing. Uh, so yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely been, uh, been listening and it's been, it's been a blast. I mean, it's, it's been fun hearing old stories and, you know, it's been, for me, it's 15 years, uh, January, cause I got home January of 08. So it's been 15 years. So it's crazy to think how long and just so many people you look up to and have memories with. So I don't know. It's been, it's been fun for me and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen some of those results. Have you seen people tuning in and ballooning with people wanting to be on and talk about and so on. So yeah, it's been fun. No, we love it. I'm in the same boat as you. My, uh, I got home 16 years ago. Yeah. Last, last week or week and a half ago just yeah. boggles my brain a little bit jack yeah. jack you're coming up on what 18 next month no 17 oh 17 okay Man. sorry got ahead of myself because yeah, i think i think zach i think you were exactly a year before me and i think jack i think i think i yeah. came in when you came out or something like that we i think i don't know you went in you went in the mtc in january yeah january of 06 yep so you, you came in the day I, you came to Scotland the day I left Scotland. So. Yep. <laughs> High five on the, on the way. Yep. Yeah. Changing of the guard to two kids from it. Arizona. It's just how it goes, right? right? One, one comes in and the other leaves. Yeah. All right, Joe. Well, just to remind everybody, we'll talk pre-mission, your decision to serve and your uh, reaction to getting your call to Scotland. Then we'll go over the mission and come back to life since you've been home. Then we'll go back through the mission. So you're up my friend. Okay. Sounds good. Well, I, I know it took me a little bit to, to get on. I can't remember how long ago you emailed me, but uh, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad we're finally doing this. It's been a blast hearing stories and I have such a love for my mission in Scotland. So it's been, it's been fun. Uh, reminiscing a little bit and, and taking some notes i kind of thought i would have done more taking <laughs> taking notes but just how it's kind of how life is it this is has come quick but yeah. no um yeah i would uh, i would just say so so pre we'll go we'll go pre-mission um there was never a time in my life that i didn't think i was going to go on a mission that was always that was always the plan i was very fortunate to have a great group of friends in high school that we had a lot of fun, but also helped each other keep standards. And I think we were like 15 guys for 15 that all ended up serving missions. That's so awesome. that it was a uh, just, and great friends that still stay in touch with and try to stay in touch with, even though we live far apart and you get lives and, families and, and and so on so i think even my senior year of high school we had one or two friends that kind of periphery friends that ended up joining the church from interaction with with our group of of guys and just kind of were 
magnets to to goodness and so uh one of them even ended up serving a mission not that long after so it was very fortunate and blessed with with the group of friends that i had and always knew that that a mission that a mission was the was the plan it's funny i think so I, we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary um been home for my mission 15 years and uh, i've been working with the young men for probably eight or nine of those 10 years and so we'll talk about you know going on missions and the importance of friends and all those things so anyways that's kind of the that's kind of pre-mission when my mission call came i was actually with my family in disneyland uh and wow. it and i had a <clears throat> i had a good friend uh, that lived just around the corner from us that was checking the mail for us so you know i think jack arizona it was like wednesday or thursday the mail would come and so we knew it was coming but got the got the call on i don't even know if it was my cell phone at that point in time my mom's or my cell phone that the call was there and uh, so it was a couple days, I think it was two or three days later that when I got home, uh, was able to open it and, you know, a few of those guys they were talking about were gone, but the rest of them and big group of friends from the ward all, uh, came over to open it. And, um, yeah, I think I just like everyone else said Edinburgh, um, yeah. I, I think, and I don't know if it was the same for you, Jack, but. I think it's, I grew up in Gilbert, Arizona. Um, and a lot of my friends at the time, it was either South America, you were going Brazil, Argentina, Chile, et cetera, or stateside. And so that in my brain, that, that was where I was going. I was either going to go stateside or I was going to go uh, speak a foreign language. And I'd taken Spanish, I think like five or six years in junior high or high school. And so I remember putting on my application, it's like, I think it was, how confident would you be speaking another language? And it was one through five. And for some reason I put four and I always feel like that's the reason I didn't get called to a South American country. Cause I wasn't completely, <laughs> you know, completely, completely confident in my, uh, in my abilities. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I, it wasn't even in my brain, but obviously was elated, um, and really excited for the opportunity to, to be going to Scotland, not knowing a whole lot about it. But then digging in uh, as we all did to to learn more about Scotland as we figured out that that's where we're going. So that was that was kind of the the, the pre mission uh, leading up to going to Scotland. I love um, it. So okay, so we'll jump we'll jump to to post to post mission. So um, I had a really difficult time and i guess I, in my mind the way i'm framing a lot of this conversation is uh i think of my family that you know this is a cool opportunity to be able to speak for you know an hour and a half hour and a half about my mission but also all these young men that uh, some of these stories that i'm going to tell i've told multiple times you know to people about about going on a mission so i'll try and be candid on some of on some of this but i had a really hard time when I was, when I was coming back from my mission, um, I think we flew home on a Wednesday and the next morning I had an 8 AM class at community college. <laughs> Gosh, Like, 
it was uh it was we knew i got it had to get home at a at a certain time to be able to start school and i think i missed tuesday's class um but was going to be starting thursday so got home from wednesday and then 8 a.m the next day and i think it was i think it was like a public speaking class so it's not one you could just sit sit back like you had to be pretty engaged um <laughs> yeah and 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 that way it wasn't so much it wasn't so much school but just you're in such a pressure cooker in such a way of living on the mission that getting back was just so hard to me um i'll talk i'll talk about james mccabe because we uh both grew up in gilbert and we're in the same group and so on but i remember um the first the first weekend we were home um one of my best friends at one of those 15 guys we all went over to his apartment he lived by the mesa temple and um we were just hanging out with old friends and there were probably one or two new people there and they were playing rock band, which was a new, new thing when I got back. <laughs> and I just remember the feeling that it was the biggest waste of time, like imaginable. Like I just felt <laughs> uncomfortable being there. I think, I think I left his apartment at probably eight or eight 30, just cause I was like, Hey, I, I just got to go. Um, and this is kind of this, like, and looking back, it's embarrassing, but I'm trying to be a little candid. Um, I remember driving <clears throat> to a Walmart parking lot and I called James McCabe because we'd both gotten home a couple of days ago. And I said, James, like, what are you up to? I, I just, I left this. I, I don't know. What are you doing? Can I hang out? And he's like, hey, I'm hanging out with this girl that I knew from before my mission. Like, I can't, like, you, you got this, man. And so... I'm sitting there Walmart parking lot thinking I can't go home. It's eight 30. My parents are going to think I'm weird. If I come home right now, I'm not going back to my friend's house. So I sat in a Walmart parking lot in my car and listened to conference talks for maybe an hour and went home. And I, and I say that just, it took me a little while to get used to life again. And I think I, I like to think that part of that is because I was like all in on my mission and wanted to be valiant and, and so on. And that's probably where some of my weirdness uh, and why it took a little while for me to, to find a wife because it took a little while for that to, but to wear off. But it, and I, I guess it, after that, it wasn't any significant stories other than just being really structured. And I remember my family making fun of me because I, was obsessed with making things clean and having a schedule and so on. But eventually, eventually that kind of wore off. Um, that was, so that was like the first couple of days, but if, if we really go post mission. So um, I did uh, community college for a little while and then transferred down uh, to U of A. Uh, my mom and dad grew up in Tucson. Um, so I ended up going down to U of A. I always liked business. So uh, study business management didn't, really know exactly what I was, what I wanted to do. But my grandpa and uncles, uh, had a financial planning business, financial planning and insurance. Um, and so I kind of always thought that was something that, that I was going to do. Um, and then my junior year of college, I took a, a winter class that was the business of college sports. And I'd always grown up a big sports fan uh, I, I played baseball and, uh, football in high school. 
and it just kind of blew my mind that other than being an athlete or a coach that there was this world that you could work in sports um and so it was an adjunct professor his name is lee DeLeon. um and i think i got the highest grade in the class and then like the next day uh started an internship with lee it at u of a in what's called the wildcat club which is the fundraising arm of of the athletics department um and then i did another internship in our ticket office at the same time so um was down at uva kind of doing that and it kind of switched gears in my brain where i was like oh man i could do this like i could make money working in sports i guess at the, the same time what was going on is being like all in in the weirdness thing like i was ready to get married the day i got home like not the day i got home but like i was ready to i was ready to find my wife right like that's right your exit interview you know when you leave and your stake president when you get home is find a wife and 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 start and start moving on so i kind of you know it, looking back and i know there's people that have gone a lot longer um but for me, it ended, up, it ended up being five years and one by one, seeing those 15 friends get married that came, that even came back a year later and seeing mission friends, uh, that, that would get married, come back. So that was, that, that was kind of hard for me being so ready to get married and move on and, and, and find my wife, uh, with, with college and so on too. So that's kind of going on at the same time. Uh, Let's see. I graduated from U of A in 2010, and my first job was working for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, they were going into a lockout, so we were. Uh, I was I was on their sales staff, uh, which Zach we've connected and talked about, uh, and have Man. some of those same. That was six, a crazy, eight. crazy time in sports. My goodness. Yeah. So I was uh, doing sales for the Phoenix Suns, and we were selling season tickets uh i guess so phoenix suns i'll just um for our british british friends or people from other countries it's a basketball professional basketball team um and we were selling season tickets for a season that might not even happen and so it was was kind of an interesting time but i look back and so many of the experience i had on my mission prepared me for that like i know i know a lot of people have talked about the hammer time and that period of time in the mission and just reporting and returning report. And like, I was well prepared for whatever they were going to, they were going to have us do uh, in the NBA. And it was pretty competitive. We, I think they basically hire 15 people and promote two of them after, you know, six to nine months. And I was one of those, I was one of those that ended up getting promoted. I was working and then worked with the sons uh, for just about two years um and at that time i'm gonna try and get, get a little quicker so we can get actually to the mission stuff but um at the, about that same time i had i had uh had met nicole who's who's my wife and we met on a blind date um nice. it, i had gotten to the point where i was like whatever i'm just gonna have fun i've been trying so hard and of course it was so one of those times where when you're not expecting it that those things happen in our life so I think my brother who had gotten home from his mission at this time, he's two years younger than me, him and three or four of his friends were going on a group date and said, Oh, Joe, you could go. And I was like, I'll come, but I don't, I don't have anyone to take. 
And they're like, oh, well, you can take this girl. So-and-so went out with her a little while ago, and she's pretty fun. So she's five years younger than me, so I probably wouldn't have asked her out at that point in time because I would have thought I was getting a little too close to, to high school age. But <laughs> um, we, uh, we, I was working for the Phoenix Suns. She was finishing cosmetology school, and uh, we, got, we got married in January of 2013 and i and i joke with her a little bit because uh at the time i had i was kind of in transition i was leaving the suns and we were going to be going to albuquerque to work for the university of new mexico new mexico athletics department and so i was unemployed and we were homeless when we got married because we didn't know where we were living and i didn't have a job at the point that's great all right yeah, good way to do it. That's, it took a lot of faith. I, I give her, I give my father-in-law a hard time that he let Nicole get married to someone that didn't have a job and didn't know where they were going to be living. So we got we got home from our honeymoon uh, and moved straight to Albuquerque. We spent like two days to try and find an apartment, um, and then we ended up being in Albuquerque for two years. Uh, I got my master's um, in sports administration while we're out there. And I worked in the athletics department selling premium seating, so suites and club seats and so on for uh, our football and basketball teams. Um, and I always, always had stayed in touch with people from Tucson. And so uh, about two years later, got a call from uh, someone that I'd known from Arizona and uh, asked if I'd be entered a position in the Wildcat Club, which is where I'd interned uh, as a student. Um, and that's where we've been ever since we've been back for, um, eight years and I work in our athletics department. I initially did major gifts, which is basically asking people for money, um, which people like people kind of laugh about that, but, uh, the mission's like a perfect, uh, prepare for that, right? Like you're meeting people and you're asking them to give up everything. And we meet with people in their houses or in their offices and, ask them to give up some of their money to, to support a, support a good cause and something they're, they're passionate about. So, um, that's kind of where we're at now. I've been there for eight years, uh, oversee our annual giving team. That's something maybe Zach would know, but, uh, it's basically donations to the athletic department and do some different things with, with data and analytics for our revenue for the department and projections and, and so on. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of me professionally. And then we had, we have three, uh, we have three little boys. Um, McKay was born in Albuquerque and then we have Hunter who's six, uh, and Brigham that is four and one on the way. So, uh, a lot of, a lot of testosterone in this house, a lot of energy. I feel bad for Nicole. I mean, literally 40 minutes ago, we we're all wrestling, trying to, yeah, a lot of, just a lot of energy in the house. So. But I love them. They're fun. They're a, a blast. Fun kids. They're playing sports and obviously busy schedules with every with everything else and uh, and so on. So, do you know gender of number four? Uh, it is a little girl. Hey, hey. Yep. <laughs> your wife will so, be happy about that, and then you'll have yeah. no more kids. <laughs> yeah. So the that was a that was a that was a big one. You know, it's a little bit of a gap. It'll be about four and a half years and. Uh, we were got, we got to the point where we'd be fine with a little boy, but obviously, uh, I've been praying for a little, a little girl to join the family too, and help even, even the boys out a little bit. So she's going to be a, a little princess that, uh, yeah, 
gets well protected from their older brothers. That's exciting. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, yeah, what a journey. Um, I have a really good friend that's in the athletic department at uh, UNM, and uh, okay. I, think, I think he just missed you, though. So uh, we'll have to talk off off air in regards to that but yeah yeah that's awesome cool. <laughs> all right joe we'll take us back to the mission you can start the mtc and uh if you like or you can go straight to scotland um okay we'll, t- we'll do a couple quick ones from the mtc so uh james mccabe and i flew out we we're both from gilbert we flew out together um stopped in atlanta and then ended up uh at the mtc i want to say we were only there for like 10 days they were like compressing the schedule and so we didn't have any like gym time so we got to the point where we felt pretty cooped up um <laughs> Jeez. which which uh yeah it's all it's it's all we knew but we had fun it was a it was a great group um uh president winwood was uh the mtc president and just we got we had a lot of fun i think that 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 is a common a common thing that you know, these young elders get together and have a little too much fun. But, um, the one, the one story I wanted to to share, and this will be a little bit of a, a, a theme for later too. So I, I had been to the MTC for three or four days and I got a notice or president Winwood or one of the other people said, Hey, we need to talk to you about your medical records. And I was like, okay. Um, and apparently I had missed a shot or something, which I don't know how that happens because you're meeting with, you're meeting with doctors and so on. So, um, I was like, okay, that's fine. So they have me go into this room and, um, I have a history of fainting from like drawing blood and, and whatever it may be. And so getting, getting this shot, there's this Asian doctor that's going to give me the shot. And I, he doesn't, I, I recall, he doesn't really speak English. And so I'm in the MTC, I'm 4,000 miles from home and I have to get this shot, which I wasn't worried about the shot. It's just kind of in my brain, this whatever natural thing that, that, that happens. And so they're giving me the shot and I pass out. And I remember waking up and there's this Asian guy over the top of me and I have like no idea where I am. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> and uh yeah i remember that one of the mtc mission presidency coming and it just kind of a just kind of a weird experience and that's kind of a precursor <laughs> for later too but it, yeah i think it's called vasovagal or something like that because it's happened to me multiple times uh when i think when nicole when we're having our second uh nicole got an epidural and i got all woozy and so nicole's through going through labor and the nurse and doctor i'm like leaning over and they come up and they're oh are you okay are you doing okay can we get you some apple juice or something and so nicole's in labor and just had an epidural in there whatever it's taking care of me the the guy that can't handle a needle or whatever so uh yeah that was that was uh that was the mtc um it, it went by really quick. I remember we went tracting while we were out there. Elder Matic um, was my MTC companion. I think Elder Price that we had switches. Um, they did switches and companionships, and and so we were there. So that was kind of MTC. Um, fast forward a little bit. Train up to Edinburgh. We stayed a night at an Airbnb. 
um, and kind of had, had forgotten about. That's one cool thing about this podcast is some of the things you forget about until you hear other people talking about. But um, I think James and I had stayed up a little too late just talking uh, and getting caught up and talking about where we're going to be going and all those things. So um, MTC the next day found out, uh, well, I think I was going to say my group. So I think the one, the ones I can remember, Elder Jensen, Elder Harlow, Elder Maddock, Elder Wilcoxon, Elder McCabe, and Elder Price. And I think there was another one or two, but it was, it was a good group, good group of guys coming in. Um, and uh, trainer was Elder McBride. And we were going to kill winning in the, in the Irvin ward. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and I was there. So I, I guess I would just kind of talk briefly about time and then I'll go on on a few stories, but I uh, was there for six months with Elder McBride, Elder Fisher and Elder Gregerson. Um, and which, I think it was which Fisher? Devin. Devin. Okay. Yeah. Which I haven't talked to him in a while, but he's one that would I would love to to hear from and have on. Um, and he's more your contemporaries. He was my MTC group. I've been. Oh, in was he? With, I've been in touch with him. And come, uh, come on, Devin. He'll he'll come on in the future. He's in the midst yeah. of building the new house, so we'll get him. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it with McBride three months, and then six weeks with 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 Fisher and Gregerson. Um. So uh, the the other one, and this is a, this is a story I've told I've told multiple times. But the first my first day in the mission field is one that I'll never forget. And I've probably told this story to people going on their mission, whether it's my siblings, my brothers or sisters, or brother in laws, or or young men, because we left the MTC, we had to take a train to Glasgow, and then a train down to Irvin. And we literally all, all we had was enough time to drop off our bags at the apartment. And then we had to go to a dinner appointment because I think we had a dinner appointment and then there was a ward activity that night. So uh, Elder Mason, Elder Wilkie uh, picked, us, picked, picked me up uh, and me and Elder McBride up um, from the train station. They were the, they were the zone leaders at the time um, and dropped off my bag. Um, and I think at this point in time, it's, I don't know, Four thirty-five o'clock, which in January starts to be almost like it's it's dark. Well dark. It's like, yeah. it's it's well it's well dark <laughs> yeah. at this point in time. Um, and I remember Elder McBride talking a little bit about who we were going to. We were going over to members for dinner, and uh, we were riding on a double decker bus for the first time. So I think it was like a thirty-minute bus ride. And the bus was packed, so we couldn't even we couldn't even sit next to each other. He was like, "Okay, you go sit back there." So we've probably been on the bus for like twenty minutes. Um, and someone gets on the bus, and something along the lines of, "Hey, can anyone help me? I really need help." And he looks homeless, and he he comes, and I'm like, "Do not look at me. Do not look at me. I do not want to talk to this guy." Well, he goes and sits next to Elder McBride. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this guy doing? And I didn't think that much of it. But because he sat down, I couldn't hear him. But then Elder McBride pushes the dinger. We're getting off at the next stop and says, oh, okay, Elder, we're getting off. And so we get off and Elder McBride's like, okay, hey, we, I, we weren't supposed to get off right then, but I just I didn't want to have to deal with this guy right now. I've met him before and we've been to his house and, and whatever. 
So we start walking because he's like, well, we got probably got about a 10 minute walk now because we had to we had to stop a little early. Well, the next stoplight, the guy gets off the bus and comes walking looking for us. And he he looks like I don't know, he was maybe in his 30s, but he looked like a lot of Scottish people that had issues with drugs. And he's he came up to talk to us and he's talking about demons in his apartment and just needing money and wanting us to come over. And I was like, what is going on right now? Like, is this what my Welcome life is? To Scotland. Uh, and I remember, <laughs> I remember Alvin McBride did a good job. I don't think I said a single word. Um, just like you, 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 you're taking care of this. And I think he got him to go away a little bit and said, Hey, we've, we've been over to his house. He's, I don't know if he's mentally stable or whatever. And so that's my experience getting into getting walking to dinner. And we go to the Williams home, which we went to the, the Williams. I was there six months. We probably went every Thursday about six months. And I just love the Williams. They are the greatest old, older couple that just love the missionaries. And so we're sitting and visiting for a little bit. And uh, about, I don't know, we maybe hadn't been sitting down for five or five minutes to start eating and they started asking me about my family. And I just remember like, man, there's a lot of stuff going on in my brain right now and a lot of emotions. And I started to get a little emotional, but I didn't want them to see it. So I said, hey, can I, I need to go to the restroom. So I remember sneaking off to the restroom and just thinking, what did I get myself into? Like <laughs> I am 4,500 miles from home. It is dark and it's four o'clock in the afternoon. And yeah, just starting to feel a little emotional, missing my family. And right then and there, I just remember having the feeling like, hey, this isn't going to be my mission. Like, I don't want this feeling like I'm all in really kind of the the present Hinkley forget yourself and go to work experience. I had like night one, like, I don't want to have feelings of being homesick or lonely. And so it was a forget yourself and go to work moment, like right away. And I remember going back and like, it was fine, but I, I just remember that and have told that story a lot because it is so true that there's so much, so many different experiences you have uh, <laughs> and a lot of crazy, ex- uh, crazy experiences that if you just dwell on home, I could see how it could be really hard. Um, so Yeah. And I don't know if you guys had a similar experience. I know there's lots of other ones, but I remember night one crazy guy talking about demons in his house, thinking this was going to be my life for the next two years. No, yeah. Jack, Jack kept my first night pretty even keel. It was, yeah, that's good. It was, it was darker than sin as we're driving yeah. to Peterhead. And I don't know what time it was. Yeah. I just know I just knew it was dark and it was cold outside. Well, because we it was like January, February for all three of us when we got there. So right, yep. yeah, yeah, crazy. So kind of crazy. And then uh, the, luckily the, the zone leaders picked us up. So Mason Wilkie picked us up and took us to to the uh, to the chapel and ended up meeting some members. And I I had other weirdish experiences, but I just remember that one was like a, a slap in the face. Welcome to Scotland. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess I'll talk a little bit about Elder McBride. So Elder McBride was great. Like he, I think we worked great together and he was such a hard worker and taught me about loving members. And I think the lucky thing for, for me is 
when I got there, like we had a pretty built up teaching pool. Like we were, we were teaching right away. Uh, we had a young girl that was scheduled for baptism in a couple of weeks when I first got there. And we, we were pretty busy teaching, which I know is not always everyone's experience in Scotland. But for me, it was like, it almost set like an expectation that this is what Scotland was like. And the, the one of the things for me, I think after it, it was only like a week or something, Elder McBride got sick and lost his voice. <laughs> And so after like a week, and I don't, I can't remember how long it lasted. It might've been only a day in my brain. I built it up as more than a day, but it was like, I was teaching everything because he lost his voice and couldn't talk. And so we had a decent teaching pool and I was uh, all of a sudden thrown in um, and had to, and had to, had to teach right away, which, which was, a, which was a good experience and, and, and cool for me. Um, do you know if Elder McBride uh, did that on purpose or <laughs> I could see that being a training tactic that Pilkington passed down from him? Like, <laughs> I could see Pilkington doing that, yeah, that's yeah, true. Just hey, just act like you can't talk, then they have no option but to, 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 to teach and talk at, uh, at the doors when you're when you're chapping and so on. So, oh, that's too funny. Um, yeah, we worked, we worked great together. Um, and yeah, we had, I mean, within the first two weeks, um, a young girl that had been scheduled for baptism and it had a decent teaching pool and, and had fun finding some people from media referrals and, and chapping into people and so on. So, uh, the other thing I remember right away too, and this was, I, I guess everyone has their own story of being introduced to, to the Scottish language. Um, but I remember my first ward council. So this was the first Sunday. It was Bishop Govins. Um, and just not understanding a word he was talking about and asking me, Oh, where are you fair? And I was like, excuse me. And, uh, and he'd be, you know, Ken, what I'm talking about. And I'm like, gosh, I am so lost. Like I have no idea. And anyone that knows Bishop Govins, he, he could have a pretty thick accent. And there was a lot of people in the urban ward that would, I could have a pretty thick accent. So <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. Um, let's see. Anything else? Um, Elder McBride, we would, we did some fun things too. As a, uh, I think as a district went to the Isle of Aaron, which is just off the coast there and had a great district. Um, I think Elder Rhodes, Elder Noble, uh, Elder Bird and Elder Jensen ended up being in the district. Sister Kenny, Sister Lewis, I know was on, so listen to Sister Kenny. So just, yeah, just a lot of good times, but mainly with Elder McBride, just remember teaching right away and just working hard and really helping people try and progress. And it, that kind of filtered on with Elder Fisher and Elder Gregerson. Uh, Elder Fisher, I just remember having fun with, uh, and getting to know members. So I feel like I was kind of early on the train for working with members in the wards because the, the girl that we baptized was a, from a part member family. And I think we had another referral early on from, from members. Um, so, yeah, I think that was main things from, from kill winning my first uh, area. It was also my first six months. We had that multi-mission conference down in Preston. You remember yeah. that, Zach? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
go and listen to President Elder Nelson at the time and going to the temple. So that was that was pretty cool and definitely a definitely a fun memory. Yeah, that had to have been pretty early in your mission. It was like what March or April time frame, I think. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. So. That 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 sounds right. Um, so let's see. So then uh I was in Kill Winning for six months. Um and during that time was with those companionships. And then from there, I went to Dumfries, which Jack, I know you were down in Dumfries, right? Yeah, that's where I started. That's where you started. How long were you down there? Uh, four and a half. Four and a half. Yep. Um, that's cool. Uh, I was down there. It was either for three. I think it might've been only for three months. I was with elder Zacharias at first. Um, mm and was there for six weeks and then uh trained elder jones um down in dumfries jack do you remember kate oh yeah yeah definitely kate Kate was great this uh, loved the missionaries and was just was just a blast um she ran the hood too yeah (laughs) it's like the matriarch of that neighborhood yeah she would she would give elder zacharias a hard time like i just remember her like she would uh, and she would give like she just had a good relationship with the missionaries and could be cheeky with them and you know tell us to sit up straight or but also just loved having the missionaries in her home and and uh inviting the inviting the spirit and so on uh so dumfries elder zacharias and elder jones uh elder jones was from Palmyra, I believe. Um, and I think he's still up there. I looked him up not that long ago, but we didn't, I don't remember serving together around each other that much other than, other than training. Um, we had a, the, there was a senior couple down there, the Andersons while we were there, um, hmm. which was cool. They lived downstairs from us and would feed us dinner every Sunday night. If we didn't have a dinner appointment with members and, it was at that point in time it was cool because she would email my mom and you know she would say whatever the senior couples have a different standard so she would like talk to my mom every now and then oh I was just talking to your mom about about you and so on uh, I th- I think that was also the time that I ended up getting a whatever the 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 we would call like a national parks pass but like the castle pass uh, for Scotland oh, cool. I ended up. I ended up getting that because uh, the Andersons liked going to Castle, so we would drive up to Zone Conference or District Meeting, and then on P days we would go tour Castle. So that's one of my memories with with Elder Zacharias was going and touring castles and him taking pictures of him being in a guillotine or or whatever <laughs> at, at different places. <laughs> I, the, the 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 weird thing about Dumfries is you're so far away. I'm guessing it was still the Edinburgh zone. Was your yeah. district in Edinburgh too? It was the Selkirk district. Selkirk district. Okay. Yeah, they would actually come down to Dumfries for district meetings. Okay. And we would go up for zone meetings. So we, I think all of our district meetings, except one or two, ended up being at Edinburgh. So, you know, once a week, wow. you're, you were driving a decent amount to, to get to Edinburgh. And anytime you would do exchanges, for districts within the district or zone, there was lots of lots of driving in between, which was cool because it's be- it's beautiful countryside. Yeah. Uh, 
but just meant a lot of a lot of time uh on the road um <laughs> i can't remember which companion it was but one of the funny chapping stories and i'm sure we've all had something very very similar but it was either elder zacharias or elder jones i'm pretty sure we were in dumfries um that knocked on the door and a basically naked 300 pound polish man and just a speedo answered the door and i remember i might have been elder z because i remember him trying to carry on a conversation with him and i was like this guy shouldn't even answer the door and he speaks polish like we we are not having a conversation with this guy right now oh my god uh, <sighs> that's too funny yeah. but um yeah, Dumfries was good. I remember the ward being pretty small and them not having anyone that could play the piano. And I don't play the piano great, but I remember that was the only area in my mission that I ended up playing the piano in uh, in the ward for sacrament meeting. And I honestly don't remember how I, how I did it because I'm not really that good, but I guess I could get enough just to play the top line or something for, for some of the hymns for the ward. Um, That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, there were some cool castles down there too. Um down near Dumfries. And I remember we went down to, to the border at one point. Uh there's a big tartan shop down there, whatever too. So I think that was dumb I think that was Dumfries, um, for the most part. Uh from Dumfries, uh I went up to Dundee and I served in the Lyft Ward. Um, and at that point in time, it was in the lift ward. It was, I think Elder Goodwin and myself. So Elder Goodwin was my first companion there. I think we were whitewashing and I can't remember who was in there before us, but we were there with Elder Hess and Elder, uh, Elder Borders. Um, and I want to say we all, we, we stayed that, that companionship for, for three months. Um, and this this is the time, I guess the other thing I'll say in Dumfries is I remember uh, that was the time that I probably knocked the most doors on my mission because in kill winning, we had a really good teaching pool and we had a lot of times when we would, we would knock on doors, but Dumfries, I remember with Elder Zacharias, Elder Jones, a lot of, a lot of chapping and there's a lot of little towns that I remember having to drive to, um, to do finding down in Dumfries. And I guess the reason I bring that up is, is this is, this is kind of the point in time where, um, president we had with a transition from president greens to president frederick and really member missionary work the focus on member missionary work really started to to take off and this was the dundee zone i'm pretty sure it was president watson was one of the ones that said i don't want missionaries knocking on doors which i remember when we heard that was like well what are we gonna like what are we gonna do like <laughs> <laughs> and that's exact and that's exactly what he wanted, right? He wanted us to yeah, to, to think different and to start working working with members. So I remember that that four and a half months in Dundee just growing such a love and such a relationship with with the members in in Dundee. And partially because that was our directive from uh mission president and uh zone leaders and district leaders and and the state president but it was also the the holiday times right so it was thanksgiving and christmas and new year's um 
so I remember we did the the 12 days of Christmas. I think we picked like four families in the ward and the four of us, Elder House, Elder Borders, Elder Good and myself, uh, did the 12 days of Christmas for those families. And I remember the first day that we did it because we kind of thought like, oh crap, it's 12 days of Christmas. We uh, we delivered enzymes for the first day, so that was probably our lamest, our lamest, uh, our lamest twelve days of Christmas gifts was that was the enzyme on day one. But then we kind of started it and and had a lot of fun. And you know, I remember little kids and some of the families trying to catch us when we were when we were dropping off. But just a lot of a lot of time serving um, serving the people, getting to know the people. I, I, a lot of names people have already talked about, but. The Keos were both in that ward. Um, John and Don and Charlie and Sheila and we had the Campbells um, in that ward. And what's funny is, so one of my, one of those best friends that I was talking, one of those fifteen guys, uh, Eric Pugmire, his brother had married someone from Scotland, and wow. she was from the Dundee ward. So it was the Campbell's daughter Beth had married one of my best friend's brothers, and so. <laughs> Uh, it, it, we ended up, I ended up being in the ward and I remember, um, they had been to Arizona. So they knew that, they, you know, they knew the Pugmire. So I'd spent plenty of long, long nights and lots of, lots of time with, um, and her sister, Anna, I remember one of the times being at their house and she was on the phone and was like, Oh, it's Beth. She's calling from Arizona and just like threw me the phone. Like, Oh, Hey, here, talk to someone from Arizona. Um, so that, that was, that that was cool, but we just, I, I know we, I know we had a few, uh, investors at that time. And one of them was Mike Longmuir who owned, uh, an auto body shop, I believe, um, and had been investigating for a while, if I remember right. Um, but I remember during that time, just, yeah, just spending a lot of time with him and, and I remember writing in my journal about just wanting to help him progress towards baptism and being excited every time that he was at church or, or, or making progress. Um, so I think that when I think of Dundee, that really what is, it, it was like member work to the extreme. And um, I think one of the cool things, so president Watson, is that right? President Watson was the Dundee. Yeah. Daryl Watson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Daryl Watson. So, there was a general priesthood meeting. I want to say it around state conference and he invited elder Hess and I to speak at the general priesthood meeting about missionary work. So I remember that being a cool experience of, you know, as missionaries being asked to speak in one of their meetings and just kind of goes to, he was all in uh, on missionary work and it, and starting to see the, the, the fruits of that um, in Dundee. Um, Dundee is also where I got my license. So I remember all of the stuff having to take the tests and the stress of paying lots of money to, to take tests and Dundee and having to pay for private lessons for a period of time. Uh, but I passed both, but I passed both first time. So I must've been doing something right. Um, nice. You and I should start a club because I did the same thing. Hey, there we go. <laughs> I remember feeling like it was a big deal back then, and I, I, I it for was a long time, I, for a long time. I kept my license in my wallet. I don't, I don't know where it is now, but I, I, I think it's somewhere. I did the uh, same thing too, and then I went to Vegas and lost my wallet somewhere. So I was uh, like, oh, that. 
and I have no yeah. idea how to get uh, get my license back except to go back and twist somebody's arm. <laughs> then they'll probably take, make you take the test again too. I'd be all for that. Sign me up. Let's <laughs> just throw me in the right side of the car and let's go. Let's go back around some corners and <laughs> yeah. do some I, of that the was, crazy stuff. I remember that, like having to back around like a round corner and not be more than like 18 inches from the curb or something, not being like the most ridiculous thing. But I love it, it really was because I remember thinking that thinking about it and I was like, this is illegal in the United States. You can't back around a corner. <laughs> <laughs> why in the world are we doing this yeah. but you know rules are rules i suppose yeah that was something but that was quite an experience yeah i i loved driving in scotland like i remember that was something that was really cool for me and other than other than kill winning my first six months i drove i drove the rest of my mission um oh, wow which which was which was kind of cool which will lead which, which will lead to this next story so um, and this is kind of the encapsulates really my whole mission, but I want to say, do you remember Elder McClure? Mm-hmm. I want to say in kill winning in probably my first six weeks, we all played soccer all the time, right? Like that was, that was a thing. And I remember a zone soccer. I didn't have boots, right? Like I didn't have cleats. And so Elder McClure let me have an old pair of boots. Like I think he was leaving soon. Um, and let me have an old pair of boots. Well, I wore them a, a couple of times because as missionaries were cheap and, you know, that's something we did all the time. But um, it was in, I, it was in my, my first three months that because of wearing small boots, playing soccer all the time, I ended up getting an ingrown toe nail on my, no. I think on my right foot. Um, and one of the frustrating things about, medicine in scotland (laughs) is you go somewhere and you get on a list right and you wait until your name is up and you can have the procedure done right so i remember i don't think i i don't know if i ever got on a list in kill winning because i was just like ah it'll go away it's not that bad but dumfries i remember like all right this is pretty painful um and not going away and so going to the hospital or whatever and getting on the list to be able to get a procedure to get my ingrown toenail fixed. Well, of course you move, right? And so I'd move and I'd have to get on a list again. And so I remember in Dundee um, getting on a list again. And of course you're still like, everyone still plays soccer. And so mainly because when I love sports and athletics, I'd still want to participate but afterwards, like I would just be in pain and it was probably making things worse. Uh, and I got to the point where I was like, Oh, I'll play, I'll play goalie. Um, just so I wasn't kicking, kicking the ball as much, but, um, it had been, so at this point in time, Dundee, it's almost a year. So it's probably been eight or nine months that I've had this ingrown toenail and I didn't say anything to, you know, sister Frederick, just cause like, Oh, it's not a big deal. I'll, I'll figure it out. So I, I bring it up because I got to the point where I ended up, we ended up hiring a private podiatrist to come and work on my toe for me. And for some reason he was going to come to our apartment to do it. And so he comes to our apartment on some random morning and I'm with elder Goodwin at the time. And he starts to, you know, I'm in a chair in our, in our family room. Um, 
and he starts getting out his tools and he's starting to have to, to, to cut into my toe a little bit or something. And I think Elder Goodwin had just gone to the bathroom or something and going back to the, the Asian doctor in the no. fainting thing. <laughs> so it's, I'm on one of those chairs that doesn't have a side. And so he starts working on my toe and it's painful and it's like swollen and I have pictures, but I won't show it cause it's pretty, pretty gross. But if anyone really wants to, I can, I guess I'm saying, well, I end up fainting and so I fall over and I end up kicking the table, like the coffee table in our area with my left foot and making my left foot like cracking the toenail and it's bleeding. And I remember Goodwin coming down and just hearing a thud and being like, what just happened to my companion? Like <laughs> this guy just is trying to attack my companion or something. So um, he didn't fix it. Like whatever it did made it worse because now I had my right toe that was from kicking a football. Now I had a left toe because like when I fainted, I kicked a table and now I, now I have ingrown toenails on both of my feet. Oh, oh man. It's <laughs> terrible. And so the private podiatrist didn't fix anything. And I remember still being on the list in Dundee. And then it wasn't really until the last six months of my mission. Um, well, I'll just, I, I, I went to Inverness and then I ended up, I ended up going back to Irvin and it wasn't until like the last three to six months of my mission that I was able to get on the list and get it fixed. So oh all of this time, because right. I, you're into D you get on a list and then you move and then you get on a list and then I move again. And I was finally in a place long enough at that point in time. And maybe, I, I don't know, maybe I did end up saying something at, some point and that's why i ended up staying in Irvine longer but yeah i just remember feeling bad for goodwin feeling bad for my toes and also this weird experience of this private podiatrist being in our apartment uh in dundee and <laughs> so on. so anyways go ahead. that that goes back to like my weird thing with blood and, and and fainting and it hasn't always been that that bad like i'll get blood drawn now and i'll be just fine but I guess when you add some stress into the situation, it can make it worse. That, yeah. that, that experience reminded me I had completely forgot because I had ingrown toenails early on in, in the mission. Jack can probably attest to it, but uh, mine were pretty bad. And then after the three months we were together in Peterhead, I, I don't know how. I don't remember getting on any list or anything, but I remember going to a specialist to get it fixed. And it happened like the same day. So I don't know how I got so lucky, but I can't believe that you dealt with that almost your entirety of your mission. So I'm feeling your pain for oh, you. For you I, I, was get, I, I was getting on the wrong list or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what I, what I did. Cause I, I like walked up to the high street in Dunfermline, knocked on a door and said, Hey, can you fix this toe? And they took me in. I remember the person like sticking me with a nasty needle in my toe and they're like, can you feel that? And I'm like, well, not anymore because it went numb and then they fixed it and I was, I was good. But if I had to deal with that the entirety of the mission, like I, I would have been a much more crabby person. I can tell you that. So I don't know how you did that. Jeez. It, it, it was a, it was a long time. And, uh, I tell people I came back a changed man, obviously because of a mission, but I also didn't come back with either toenail because it's been gone. <laughs> it's been gone ever since. Like they, oh, they, they said that if you didn't, whatever, 
kill the root, it was going to come back the same way. So I said, get rid of it. So anyways, we joke about with that my, with my boys every now and then that I, I'm the weird guy that doesn't have any big toenails, but it's because I left them in Scotland. Yeah, there you go. It was a sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Crazy. Uh, I'm trying to think. So anything else, anything else than D and I remember being cool going over to St. Andrews um, and that being, a, that being fun memories. Um, we similar, just right. Being so involved with, with the ward. I remember going to elders corn activity to like a bar to play snooker with the elders quorum. So I remember that being kind of a unique, nice. unique experience. I think, I think elder Hess and I like want, I think we beat some of the members there though, which they were pretty upset about that. These two Americans were beating them in snooker. But I you, that. you said, what's the rules? And they said, you hit this ball in the pocket. You're like, cool. I can do that. <laughs> oh, it's, it's oh, we're playing pool, right? We're playing pool. Yeah. It's just, just different some, balls and different, just a big pool table. Huge, huge pool table. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But I, some of my best memories and favorite people are, are from that, that lift ward. And, uh, you know, Mark and Angela Veal were another one that uh, my family ended up coming and picking me up. And I remember we stayed with them for a couple of days. And Mark's, Mark's one that, you know, still to this day will send messages every now and then on Facebook and, and catch up and, just man just fun fun people you know the the keos had ben that was going on his mission so they just had that missionary zeal and and spirit and with us focusing on member missionary work i remember just challenging people to to find people and to who 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 could they know and i think ben had left on his mission and elder hess and i went over to the keos charlie and sheila and had a lesson and basically they were like talking about who could get a baptism first, Ben or the Keogh family and just how like excited they were about it. And like, it was just a, yeah, just a fun time. There was just such a fire around members and missionaries and being involved. And I just, I love their family so much. And uh, that's another one. We, when my family came by, we went, we went and visited. And so I th- the only other one I think I think in Dundee is when Elder Oaks came. So I remember going, uh, Elder Brother Campbell, which uh, is the dad of of Beth, who I, I knew from Arizona, um, gave us a road over and going and see Elder Oaks. And I remember that being that being another cool one. Um, were you were you home at that point in time, Zach, or did you get to yeah. Elder Oaks? Yeah, I think Elder Oaks came. I want to say it was like probably March of two thousand seven, and I went home in January. So I just yeah. missed that. Yeah. Well, that, I think that was me because I, I think Elder Holland just came a couple of months after me. So oh, really, <laughs> I think that that was my miss, missing Elder Holland, which was, a you know, it was one of my favorites. So I, I will have to hear from someone. I don't know if I've heard that one, uh, someone talking about that on a, on a podcast, a podcast yet, but. That Elder Holland had been there. Yeah. You have to listen to Christian Lucas's because he was, okay. uh, he got pulled over going over a hundred miles an hour in the mission van and present and, uh, <laughs> And Eller Holland drove by in the mission president's car. Oh my gosh. While he's getting yeah. put in the back of a police car. So. Oh yeah. I got, I, I haven't listened to Christians yet. So that's a, that's a, that's a good one. To, that's a good one to look forward to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was Dundee. Um, from there, I went up to Inverness with, uh, with elder Fissler, which I know he was on not that, not that long ago. Yeah. And, uh, 
we were only together like we were only together like one transfer um and that was that was my shortest that was my shortest area on my mission um and we covered two two different wards there was an inverness ward and then there was an invergordon branch which met in a museum which was a crazy crazy experience uh (laughs) meeting in a museum like sunday school was just separated by like displays in the museum from relief society or something and sacrament being in this kind of general room but um yeah uh i'm trying to let me think what else uh inverness obviously had to go go see loch ness um and probably did that probably did that a couple times um i think the thing that i remember most was just trying to be productive with other fissler and at that point in time, we had started reporting just how many lessons we taught, whether it was member, investigator, joint teacher, so on. And so I think there was a week we taught like 30 lessons, which I remember being really, really proud of and feeling like we busted our butt to try and teach 30 lessons. And that good portion of those were members from Inver Gordon or, or Inverness. Um, we would take birdie with us on joint teaches so those six weeks i got to know him a little bit obviously not as well as as some people but a lot of a lot of just fun funny things with with bert um there was there was a we had to go to up in thurso right i don't know what are missionaries in thurso at all in your time in the mission yeah Er, early on yeah so I don't remember anyone being up in Thurso in my time there. And I didn't serve up in the Aberdeen zone very much, but in my, in our, those six, eight weeks I was in Inverness, there was someone that was going to be getting baptized up in Thurso. And so they were solely taught by members in the ward mission leader. And I remember going up for uh, the baptismal interview and then going up a couple days later for uh, for the baptism, uh, and so that that was kind of a cool thing driving up driving up there and being on that coast and and, and being a part of that experience with uh, the members literally doing everything, which was which was kind of cool to see. Um, yeah, that is pretty unique. Yeah, the the two other I'll just do two more quick ones in Inverness, um, and then we'll go to go to last my last area. So one, you know, different episodes, people have talked about things they learned from President Beans or President Frederick. Um, I was in Inverness when one of the, I guess, most impactful advice I've, I've gotten from a leader and especially from, from President Frederick, uh, we had interviews and I just remember him challenging me to be more vocal, right? And I think naturally a lot of us sit back and, uh, I, the, the example that I think the example that he gave was something like in zone conference, when someone asks a question, everyone knows the answer, but we don't need elder Martin to answer every time. <laughs> and just, and just talking about how <laughs> like being a, being a leader can sometimes just being be vocal and just being willing to answer questions. And I've, I think about that a lot in, from my time as a missionary, uh, from, my time in school in congregations and when we go to Sunday school now, all the, all that dead time when no one's answering, I feel like more often because of that experience, 
I speak up and share insights. And I know it helps the the teacher too. Like that's what they're not, they're not trying to sit, sit, to sit in silence, but I think that's helped me in my work life. It's helped me in church. It's helped me in school develop better relationships with professors, but, and it's such a simple thing, but I just remember the way he, we talked about it in interviews. I remember that having a big impact on me. Um, and I don't know how, I don't know if it's helped me significantly, but I, I think, I think it's made a big impact on my life moving forward. And one of the things that really stands out to me from, you know, from president Frank, and I, I bet he would never remember that. And, uh, you know, it's funny bringing up other Martin, but it's, it's, he's actually coming out here hopefully in a couple months and being able to connect with him after his podcast. That's one of the cool things about this podcast is kind of getting, getting some of us reconnected. Yeah. Um, uh, the only other experience I'll share in Inverness, and this is just another funny one because I'm thinking through, um, right, getting our haircuts, right? Like that's a regular, regular thing. Some missionaries would cut their own hair. Uh, I ended up buying a, a pair of shears just to have on my mission. I think cut my own hair for a while, but we're all cheap <clears throat> and don't want to spend money on, on haircuts. So we get whoever's the most competent uh, <laughs> missionary. To, to cut hair, right? So, <laughs> Jeez. Elder Peacock and Elder McCabe uh, were up from Aberdeen, and Elder McCabe cut my hair. And while he's cutting my hair, the guard fell off. And oh, so no. I had this huge gash in the back of my head. Um, <laughs> and so for three weeks or something like that, I had to have like this military haircut, like full buzz. In, in the back, and I remember giving James a hard, uh, a hard time about that. But it was f- what's funny is my wife is a cosmetologist, and my sisters uh, both went to cosmetology school too. So I haven't had to pay for a haircut or or went to a barber to get my haircut in like 12, 15 years. Oh my so. gosh, <laughs> crazy! Yeah, it was because you had that poor military haircut from from elder mccabe yep that was yep. the that was the result had to be had to be had to be <laughs> um so that, that that takes me up to um i was with elder fissler for six weeks and they actually said i, w- I was going to be staying in inverness for another for another transfer but two weeks two weeks into that transfer got a call um and was going to be moving down, down back to the Paisley stake to serve, um, in Irvin. Um, and that was a surreal experience because I had already spent six months there to start my mission, um, in the Irvin ward. So I ended up, I ended up in total spending, I think 13 months in one ward. Um, uh, which I, and I never thought I, I never thought I'd be back. Right. Like that's kind of the thing when you leave an area, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm moving on. Um, but that was, you know, and it was back to back, you know, first six months and then last seven or something or or something like that. Um, but was also, was also really excited. Um, you know, elder McConkie and other Martin had been there and McConkie, elder McConkie actually got there. Um, and I was, I overlapped with him for six weeks before I went to Dumfries. And so I think McConkie and Magner might've been together um, while I was serving in Kilwinning. Um, 
but yeah anyways that was that was kind of surreal going back to uh going back to Irvin and essentially living in a different apartment but being in the same ward uh for a, another seven seven and a half months so I, I spent the rest of my mission there um I was with with elder black at first um from Ireland um mm. and then um served with uh elder Jensen uh for we served together for four and a half months uh which was pretty long that was my longest companion for for sure um and we had we were in the same group coming out uh we'd been in the same district uh at the start of our our mission um and then to serve together at the end and for for that longer time was was definitely one of the things that i look back with with fondness of just my time my time serving with uh with elder jensen and then uh, finished out my last six weeks with with Elder Frainer. So um, yeah, and that so at that point in time uh, was the zone leader in the Paisley Stake, um, and that was again just a just a fun time. Uh, you talk about it was like focus on member missionary work, and then a little bit of you know hammer time, which in my mind I think felt a little a little different, but it was just how do we hold people accountable and um, really be involved with the zone as much as possible to help people per- progress and grow. Um, yeah, I guess I'll just go through and think a little bit. When I think of Elder Black, we were busy. Like, I think we had four or five baptisms in the three months that we were together. Um, wow. In a, in a lot of involvement with with the youth i it's i don't remember a lot about this but i wrote i wrote about this we we actually went to young men on a young men's camp out elder elder black and myself which i don't like looking back i'm like did we really do that but i think we had two or three investigators that were going to be there and i'm sure we I'm sure we asked for permission but looking back i'm like did we really go camping for a night when we were on our mission like that seems I don't know. Kind of. I. I. Don't, I, I you, did you? it. Yeah. I don't. I think it was a like a ward camp out, and we got permission. And it was funny because it was. Uh, <clears throat> I was serving with Elder Littlefield at the time, and the other companionship in the Dunfermline ward was Elder Pilkington, and uh, and Brian Barber. <laughs> so, yeah. two of the missionaries from my MTC group and my companion and. It was the worst night of sleep I had on my mission because I slept in a, in a sleeping bag that was probably made for someone that was a foot shorter than me. Yeah. And I didn't have a pillow. And I'm pretty sure I slept in my clothes. Like, there's no way I was getting any any sense of comfort. But that was a unique experience. I never would have thought I would get to go camping on my mission. But yeah. it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. Th- those are the main thing that come to mind when I think of Elder Black. Elder Jensen man i just love that man he was he's got like contagious energy and we had we had so much fun together and i just remember him coming in he just wanted to just help grow and and be involved with the ward and just such a love for the ward and the young men there and having been there for so long i feel like i got to know the ward really well like when I came back, I knew all of the the leadership in the ward from the bishopric and release site president, Elderscorn president, and uh, the the um, 
war mission leader and so on. So, um, yeah, there was just a, a love for the gospel with other Jensen. And I can still remember to this day and I, uh, just him waking up and at seven thirty in the morning, belting hymns and singing along with the, the church tabernacle choir. And just, I don't know. It was just a lot of fun, fun times. The one, well, I, there's one or two funny stories with, with Elder Jensen, but I'll, I'll save that for later talking about one of our, one of our investigators. Um, but yeah, just, I don't know, just, just a love. And then the other thing I remember serving in Irvin was just the relationship with president Yates, uh, the state president there. He was in the Irvin ward and I knew and had known him a little bit from before, but being able to, to work closely with him. And there was a few times he, he came on uh, joint teaches with us to go visit, visit different people. And he would, he came to, you know, zone leader conference uh, to talk to the Edinburgh Paisley and Glasgow zones. And, and I think we rode together or something like that, but uh, just another one that I just love that man and his, his leadership. I think two experiences that stand out to me, one time when we went out on visits, um, I think it might have been exchanges because I think it was just me and me and him, and I think Elder Jensen might have might have been with someone else. But I remember we were going to see someone, and they weren't home, and he randomly stopped someone uh, on the road and was like, "Hey, do you know where Mary Jones lives? I think they're over in this area." And I think we had like a five minute conversation, and then after I was like, "President Gates, who the heck is Mary Jones?" And he was like, "Oh, I have no idea." But now the next time that person runs into missionaries, he's not going to think that you're weirdos. And just, I don't know, just the way he, the comfort talking to people and uh, just kind of a boldness and and so on. The other one that I can think of with President Yates is another priesthood leadership meeting that that stands out to me. Um, He was talking about the importance of continuing to grow our testimonies and uh, talked about how so many times really pe- speaking of people in Scotland, when people are giving talks, they would, they would say, Oh, when I was on my mission, right. When I was on my mission and telling story A, B, C, or D and saying, there's nothing wrong with having spiritual experiences and you should have spiritual sp- experiences on your mission, but what are you doing now to continue to have those spiritual experiences and being able to have experiences now in your life that you're, that you're, sh- that you're able to, to share on talks. And so that has stayed with me and, and challenged me to continue to stay close to the spirit and continually striving to, to serve and be in situations where we're, we're continuing to have, uh, yeah, those, those spiritual experiences and we all do it and we should do it talk about the experiences that we have. But I, I just remember that standing out to me, uh, especially in, in those closing months as you're, as you're preparing to, to go home from your mission. So, yeah. Um, I think so. One of the other ones, you know, as we're as we're getting close to to winding winding down um, in the mission, our and there's two people that that we that we taught there, um, and one of one of them, I remember vividly praying at the end of my mission, saying, you know, I'll go wherever you want me to go, but I hadn't had the experience of finding someone from lesson number one 
and teaching them all the way through and, and then getting baptized. I'd been a part of a number of different baptisms and, and, and taught different people, but I hadn't had that, that exact experience. But remember just saying, hey, I think I had three months left and just, I'll go where you want me to go. If I need to leave Irvin, if you need me somewhere else, but I, I just really want to find and have that experience. And so I remember with Elder Jensen, um, you're just, I just remember being really busy going to visiting different areas in, in the, in the zone and, and being, uh, busy with a, a little bit of a teaching pool that we had, not having a whole lot of time of finding. And so when we did, I always felt it was really, it was really crucial. So I remember going to one of the nicest neighborhoods in Irvine. Uh, it was a new development and said, this is where, this is where we're going to knock doors tonight. We had 30 minutes or something like that. Um, and it was the last door. It's always, it's always the last door, right? We were like, okay, we're going to do two more. Um, and so it, it was the, it was the last door. We knocked on the door and it was, um, it was an Indian man named surrender that answered. And I think he might've been a little intoxicated, but I remember we, we started talking about families and, and families being together forever and something about what we said. Um, he let us in right away. And that, that experience meeting surrender, knocking on his door. Um, he had been separated from his wife and his kids for a little while. And I think just that message of we can be with our family again, really hit home for him. And over the next couple months, he was, he was Indian and he was Sikh. So he didn't know anything about Jesus. And so I remember teaching about Jesus and watching finding faith in Christ and just having cool experiences with him. Um, he, I remember after watching finding faith in Christ, him after watching him saying it, wait, and people still didn't believe him. Like just a lot of experience in Scotland, you talk to, Catholics or whatever it may be. And so it was just a cool experience seeing him, this light come into his life. And he got to the point where he stopped smoking and he stopped drinking. And he was a successful, he was successful. He had a, he had an Indian restaurant and owned um, uh, petrol stations. He had a couple of them that he owned that he would work at. And so there was a couple of times we would, we would stop as we were going to Kilmarnock or something and we'd stop by and he'd be working and he'd be like, what do you want? Take whatever you want from the grocery store. Like it's, it's on me. And there was a couple of times where we'd be coming over and he would say, Hey, did you guys eat dinner yet? I'll, I'll order food for my Indian restaurant. And so that's one of my funny stories too. So uh, we ordered, he ordered food from his Indian restaurant and Eller Yentz and I are, are teaching him at this point in time. And I think we did the lesson first or gosh, I can't, I, we might've ate first. And I remember, um, they had, he had ordered these chilies or something or, or jalapenos, um, with the meal. And I remember elder Jensen being like, how hot are these? And he'd be like, Oh, they're, they're pretty spicy. And elder Jensen would be like, Hey, I'll have a bite. If you have a bite of Ellie McLean. And they were probably like, I don't know three inches long and uh i was like okay i'll do it and uh i probably took i don't know maybe a half inch bite but elder Jensen probably took 
two or three inches and ate the whole thing. And he was dying. Like, I think I was dying just from this little half inch. And Surrender didn't think anything of it. Like, he started laughing because Elder Jensen's, like, sweating at this point in time. Um, and I think what made it worse, they had this, they had, he had this yogurt, um, like, Indian yogurt. But in the Indian yogurt was also, like, jalapenos or something. And so Jensen, to, like, cool it, was drinking this yogurt with jalapenos in it. And is like sweating, dying. And I think we had to, I think we still taught him a lesson after that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but like he was, he was not in a good spot. And the second we got in the car, I just remember the audience saying, we need to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, His so. insides were burning. His insides are broken. And we didn't end up going to the hospital, but he, I think I think the next day he he felt it almost almost just as much. Oh but that was uh yeah, that was that's just fun, you know, it's, it's just fun things. And just he was he's so animated and, and surrender was busting up too, because he could see that he was really uncomfortable. I was like, Do you want milk? Like, do you want something? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Oh geez. Oh, but we taught. We, yeah, we continued to teach surrender. Um, Elder Jensen left. Another frainer came in, and we continued to teach surrender. Um, he ended up having one of his uh, workers that worked in his petrol station, uh, Billy. That was a referral from surrender that we ended up teaching. Um, and it got to the point where we had such a good relationship with him. He came to one of our zone conferences and and did one of the role plays with missionaries just talking about his experience. Um, so that, that would, that was, it was just cool to develop that relationship with him. And he ended up getting baptized with Billy, the, he was probably 17 years old, um, worked in his gas station, uh, and, and was in our, was, I think was in our area on the, on the same day. Uh, and just a cool experience. And I can remember, when we were leaving, uh, I think I was getting ready to leave. Um, President Yates had gone over to his house and was ordaining him to uh, to the ironic priesthood, I think. Or and um, a big thing for Indians, or the, from my understanding, with with surrender and in Sikhs was like religion was your family, like family and religion was like intertwined. And something along the lines of like, Hey, now you have this new family. And so I remember at that point in time when I was leaving that there was something that didn't feel right for surrender and like feeling like he had abandoned his family. So I don't know the whole story and I haven't even talked to other friend, but it'd be interesting to hear um, what happened to surrender afterwards. Cause I don't know how long he ended up staying active um, because of some of those, because of some of those things. But I remember just the sweet experience of, of building that relationship and seeing him progress and the light that came into his life. And he stopped drinking and smoking. I remember him paying tithing, uh, after he got baptized. And one of the cool things I'd been home from my mission, I don't know if it was six months or a year. And he, I don't know how he got my number, but he, he randomly called me. Um, 
in the U.S. and I'm sitting in Arizona. I think I'd just gotten off work. And I was like, surrender? Like, how are you? And he talked about uh, how he was back with his wife and his family and how they kind of reconnected because he, he kind of changed his ways. And, you know, I, I know we all have different ex- experiences and there's a lot of people that, that get baptized and, and didn't stay active. But I know that his life was changed for the better because of, of, of our interactions and, and, mm-hmm. and spending time together. So I remember that was, that was one of the cool things. The last, the end of my mission was that relationship was surrender. And then also teaching Billy who he referred to us and, and him getting baptized as well. So that was definitely one of the, the fun memories from my last, my last six months. That's cool. Um, let me see any other just quick hitters. Um, Yeah, I, I think that that last couple of weeks, there was an experience where we, for Zone Meter Conference, we went up to Pratt's Hill again, and uh, that was a cool experience, being up there with all the other zone leaders and kind of rededicating ourselves and the mission and just the progress and growth that we saw at that point in time in the mission. Like I know a lot of different people talked about it, but went from 107 or something to 230 or 240 and just the excitement that that brought to the missionaries to the members it was it was just such a such a fun time um and then the last six weeks with other frainer i just remember it went by really quick and just having fun with him and teaching surrender and teaching billy and the relationship we had with the ward members and the young men there in specific with with the wilds and so on and then really to, to, cl- to, to close up my time, um, my family ended up picking me up, uh, got permission to come over. And so uh, they picked me up from Irvin. And for some reason, they came on a Sunday and I wasn't being released till a Tuesday. So I remember they came to church on Sunday and we went to dinner that night. But my brother, actually, we got permission for him to like serve with us, to be with us that that Monday that we went to district meeting and went street contacting and just remember that being a cool thing to be able to share that with my brother who was uh going to be getting ready to, to go on a mission and just the that it was a whirlwind going over and seeing all those names and and families that you had gotten to to know so well and man i know i know everyone feels this way but i just love that place man i i think about scotland so much there's a couple things that i still do to this day my my phone still is in military. You can't really see that, but my phone is still in military time. And that's because like I made a conscious decision that that's how time is in Scotland. And so I do that to just kind of create little connection with Scotland. I think, you know, watching, watching soccer. I don't know if you guys know this five guys, you can get a chip buddy. Uh -uh. You just order their fries and they give you a bun for free and you put some brown sauce or a one on it. So I don't know. I just, so many, so many fun things. And I really, you know, there's a, there's an elder, elder Holland quote from a ways back talking about my mission. And I, it's exactly how I feel that he, he says, I love my mission as I'm sure no young man has ever loved one before or since. And that is really how I felt. I have such a love and such a fondness. And that's one of the reasons I was excited to come on is just to talk about and relive those memories. And for me to be able to have this documented, to be able to send to young men or for, for my family here 
to hear because when else am I going to spend an hour and a half talking about mission experiences? So that's that's one reason why it's been cool to listen to others and just be able to spend some time thinking through and, and preparing and thinking of Scotland because that that was a cool experience. The, the last thing I'll, I think I'll say is Elder Care um, came to one of our last own conferences and I remember I had written down one of the things he, he talked about was the Lord's University. You know, like this, uh, talking about BYU, Zach, but uh, a lot of people call BYU the Lord's University. But uh, he <laughs> said the, the Lord's University is the mission field. And just talking about the experiences you have there and in those unique times. So it's just, it's been fun and it's fun to relive and it's, it's fun to hear all these experiences other people have had. And I'm, I, I, we could have kept going for hours with all, with all the stories of all the different places and so on. But I would say that, that, that would kind of wrap up my, my time in, in Scotland and those things. No, that's, it's been great, Joe. We've really enjoyed everything that you've shared. I'm curious because obviously you had that year after I was there, but what was your experience when the hammer time period came into the fray? How did you react to that? It's funny. I've heard different people talk about this and actually looking back through my, uh, through my like study journal, I didn't even realize this, but I don't know who it was, but one of the assistants when they came to our flat had like gone through my personal journal, like my journal and like had written like random notes about like, how are you getting better? And I, hmm. hammer, hammer time for me, I, I don't, I think it was, uh, it was more just the return and report function that I think we really tried to implement and got to the point where we were t- talking to each of our district leaders on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and, and, and Sunday. But I, I kind of had a hard time a couple times, like if we were to go do a, a flat visit to, I don't know, to make, make missionaries uh, feel bad about some of their decisions or, or whatever it may be. So I, I think mine was a, was a reduced uh, view. And, and I think, even, I think O'Brien and Martin came to, our flat one time. And I think there, it was like a hammer time visit. And I just remember them like, I don't know. It just felt like, like, let's just have a conversation. Like, what are we talking about? Like, so I think it was kind of down, down, downplayed for me. Um, and maybe that was just my leadership style to a certain extent and working with our zone, but I'm sure someone would come up, come on and tell about the terrible experiences that Elder McLean called them out for A, B, C, and D. But looking back, I just have these rose colored glasses of everything. Uh, I can't see you doing that. You're, you're too, too of a forthright of a guy, you know, you want to say it as it is and how you feel and you're not going to put the rose colored glasses on. Like you said, I, I can't see you doing that. I was just curious what your experience was because everybody had a different experience. Some people learn something from it on top of hating it. And you know what I mean? It was just, a unique, I, I, a unique time in the mission. Yeah. The one thing I'll say is I, I, I just remember the, the, the positive one that I think really came out was just the urgency. And uh, I know there's been some similar experiences, but I remember the sisters in, uh, I think they were serving in Kilwinnie at the time, um, had a, a girl that was in young women's 
that was um, investigating the church. And there was really a holdup that she was waiting on her family. And I remember Elder Jensen, we went, we went and visited the mom and just talked about uh, her daughter and what, how she felt about the church and so on. And I don't remember how many days it was later, but we were like at the church or at a member's house and talking with the sisters and, and this girl about our experience. And it like eased her mind that her mom felt good about it. And so much so that like that night she got baptized. Wow. And like, she'd already, she'd already gotten to the point where she'd had all the lessons and had been coming to church and it was just like this hang up and her mom was there. So it wasn't like we were doing something behind anyone's back, but her mom was there and Ward mission leader was there and we went and filled up the font and like that, that, that urgency and like, well, okay, well, if there's no more barriers, like, and I think she was even like, okay, like, let's do it. Let's get baptized. It was like, yeah, great. <laughs> let's do it let's do it so that was one of, i think the really cool things that was this urgency for for the work and there was definitely times that it went overboard um in hearing some experiences but when done the right way there was some definitely some cool things and helping people progress and just that focus on finding people that wanted to progress and grow yeah well thanks for sharing that i appreciate it yeah. Well, you you had a great list of amazing missionary companions. And if you're in touch with any or many of them, we hope that you'll invite them to come and participate because we'd love to have many of them. I mean, I've, I'm just looking through our list of those that you've named and we've only talked to Matt Fissler so far. So yeah, yeah. We, got, we got our work cut out for us. Yeah, definitely some some good companions. The other ones that I would that I would uh, that just names that I was thinking of. I don't know if you would ever do members, but Douglas Yates and Mark Veal. It would I would love to just hear some of their experiences working with with missionaries. Uh, the other one, and this this would be more timeline of after us, but Johnny Coon um, is another one. He's a Gilbert boy uh, that I think right. We're talking right. J- Jack was we trade places and then we were, we were a year later. I think Johnny Kuhn was like, when I left, he was coming in like that exact, exact time. So those, that, that would be another one that uh, came to my mind of, of someone would be cool to hear from. Um, so the missionary who we talked to last Sunday, um, Andrew Bonin, uh, he mm-hmm. actually served with Johnny Kuhn. So okay. hopefully he's, that will be uh, coming out this this evening early morning tomorrow and uh hopefully he'll share it and get it in front of him and hopefully we can get in touch with with john because uh sounds like he was a good one from his experience too so and i the cool thing in talking a little bit about about johnny and i'm sure some of these later that you know talking about hammer time i remember johnny talking about it going from hammer time to just this charity and love that it kind of developed and grew through with with president frederick so definitely cool to hear some of those experiences some people after me and how that transition changed and, and i think elder fissler talked a little bit about that too of just kind of that natural transition of things but yeah, yeah. 
Well, good. Well, Joe, thank you again for making time for us in your hectic schedule. I know that uh, working in college athletics, this is a busy time of year. So really thank yeah. you for taking the time to be with us tonight. No, it's been fun. It went by went by quick. So it's it's been fun. Lots of lots of good experiences. Appreciate you guys inviting me and putting this platform together for us to yeah, talk about all those good times in Scotland and food and fun and the <laughs> spiritual experiences and so on. Yeah. And like I said, as you're inviting people, if they, you know, want us to reach out to them, we'd be happy to. Or if they want to reach out to us, you know, that the SEM podcast at 51spylaw.com email address is there, or they can go to the 51spylaw.com website and there's a contact sheet on there that they can fill out and uh, we'll get in touch with them and get them on the schedule. But uh, more than anything, we just, we love you. We're grateful that we have you as our brother in Scotland. And so thanks again for taking the time. We, We love you. Love it. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Jack. All right, Joe. Cheerio, mate.